0: Okay, have you got your Bibles? Have your Bibles? Yep. It's good. Just check him. Go to Ephesians chapter three. Before us, before we read that scripture, excuse me. Before we go to that scripture, I want to say some things first. We're picking up from where we were last year, and where we are this year, because this race is continual. Even though it's a new year, it's a, continued, it's a continual race. It's not a new race we're running; it's a continual race. Others have run it before us. Others are others are ahead of us. There are some behind us, but you've got your place in the race. But you've got to know where your place is in the race, and you've got to know how long the race is. It's important you know what race you're in. How many of you know that? If you expected to do a sprint and it's a marathon you've enlisted, you're going to be surprised. Now, if you've prepared for the marathon and it's a sprint, you're still going to be overtaken, but your race is going to be a lot shorter. So last week we started our series, A New Year's Revelation. Not a New Year's resolution, but a New Year's revelation. And we, you know, we're only 11 days into this new year, and millions upon millions upon millions of resolutions have already been broken. Yeah, why did, they, why did they break? Because people's willpower failed. That's the, bottom, the long and short of it. People's willpower failed them miserably. I'm going to give up smoking. It didn't last more than a day. I'm going to go to the gym. Already now, they're making excuses. And the gym's saying, I don't care. I've got your year subscription. I'm happy. If the whole nation did that, I'd still be in business. Yeah, but what we must believe—I should I say, what we must begin to see is not pursue a, rev- uh, a resolution. There's no point in a resolution if you're not going to follow it through. If you haven't got the willpower, don't make it. The Bible says it's silly to make a vow and not fulfil it. So, if we're going to pursue anything this year, let's put all our willpower behind seeking God for a y- new year's revelation. I didn't say one revel—a new year. Of revelation, ongoing revelation. Who's in for that? I know that's what my life needs. Because if I don't have a progressive revelation, I stay in what I know. And it ends up becoming traditional. You see, when you go to other churches around, if you've been to other churches, you'll see that there's all different flavors. You notice that? And they're all derivatives of a revelation that was once given and it started, so they started something and they kept it in that vein, but it never progressed. So <clears throat> if you go into, say, for instance, a Catholic church or an Anglican church, many Anglican church, all you'll find is ceremony. Because their revelation many, many years ago was holiness. And keep the people, the people are not worthy to know what we know, which is rubbish because your New Testament teaches everyone's involved. Everyone can have a peace, Everyone can break bread. But in the high church, you can't. You have to be confirmed. You have to be, it's confirmation class, isn't it? Confirmation classes. what are they confirming? I don't know. The Bible says anyone can take bread. He must examine himself first and then take bread. So, but that was the revelation they had and they stopped there. So now men took over and made it an organisation with rules and structures, and created all kinds of things. And then you move on to a more freer kind of church. But it still has a structure that is not progressing. Because it was a revelation that they had, but they stopped. They didn't get a progressive, ongoing revelation. So every church, when you look at a church, you can see where the revelation stopped. And you can see where there are those who are still progressing in a revelation. Amen? And where the revelation stops, the pastor maintains the people. But where the revelation is progressive, the pastor demands more. Do you understand that? Why? Because it's ongoing. The mentality says, I'll hold on to what I've got until one day he'll beam me up, Scotty. He'll take me out of here and I'll go to heaven. Jesus didn't die so that you could maintain a life. He died so you could have a progressive life a kingdom life, there's so much more, you're going to be so sad and so ticked off when you get up there and you realise what you should have done. And, what, what, and, and if you'd have done, if you'd had the courage to do what you should have done, how much your life would have changed and been blessed and how many others would have been included? It's almost like, I don't want to see, I don't want to go behind the curtain. I want to know what he's got for my life now so I can make choices to pursue it today. Amen. So we decided that we don't want to be church usual. Church usual stops. It maintains. It keeps everything in order. It, it rings you up every every week. Are you okay? Are you blessed? Now, there's nothing wrong with making sure there's care in the house. We've got to have care in the house. But, you know, we can't live like that all the time. We can't live to people's demands. We have to live to the kingdom's word and how it's going to unfold to our lives. So... We decided that we're a church that's always changing. That's why we're a church with a difference. We're not better. We're different. Why? Because we're evolving all the time. We're planning. We're moving forward. We're getting out of here. Oh, we are going to another building? No. I said, we're getting out of here. We'll still be here, but we'll be out of here. I don't understand what that means. Well, you need a revelation. I'm glad you asked. So I said to you last week, I saw two pictures. Jenny put it on Facebook ages ago. She don't know now about it. But she put it on, and I saw it on her Facebook page. It was a picture of two crowds, and on the, uh, on the crowds, the question was asked, who wants change? And everyone's hand goes up, because everybody wants change. Do you remember, years ago, I'm confessing something here. My mum used to love watching Miss World. Anybody knows Miss World, the beauty contest? And we had a black and white TV in those days, 50 pence in the car, you know, you, so remember those days? Some of you don't remember, you girls won't remember the 50p's, obviously not. 50 cents, shilling, 10 bob in our house. When everyone used to rent the TV. But me gran used to own a colour TV. She was a snob. She had the first vacuum cleaner in her street, the first colour TV. She was definitely a, what do they call them? Transitter. But my mother loved watching Miss World. So every Miss World competition, my mum would go round to my grand's to watch it on colour TV just to see all the colours in the garments they wore. Now, it meant I could stay up a bit later. So I went, <laughs> what do I want to watch Miss World for? I don't. I just want to stay up later. That was my making. I didn't like Miss World. And they'd always, they'd always ask Miss World, what do you want to be? And she'd stand there with her eyes fl- you know, flushing. What do you want to be? Expecting pearls of wisdom to come out of her mouth. And she's to say, well, I just want peace and goodwill to all men. Well, gee, thank you, Miss Miss America. That was really deep. Because everybody wants change. But then the next picture in that cartoon, or the next part of that cartoon was, who wants to change? And nobody's hand went up. And that's the reality we have in our nation, that everybody wants change. Everyone's going to put a post-it on the Facebook and tell them, yeah, this should change, they should change. But God's looking for you to change your world. God's saying, you know, I want change as well and I want you to change. I want you to bring change. So the church has to get out of here to go and bring change. You don't change sat in here. I should say, we change, we can change sat in here, but we bring change by moving out of here. This morning, some of you were changed as you worshipped. But as you're going to bring that change, if that change is going to mean anything, it's got to be carried out of here. Amen? So we've got to realise that Though everybody wants change, few are willing to do something about it because they don't want to change. They want to stay the same. That's why so many people fight change because they don't want to change because it it affects them personally. You know, if, if a revelation, if it is pursued and it's received and fully grasped, it can change your life forever. If you... If you pursue a revelation this year and you receive it and then you begin to grasp it, because when you receive a revelation, there's a period when you don't fully understand it all, you understand the part of it. And most people think they get the part they understand and run with it, but they forget, they don't work out the rest. Hello? So God wants to tell you something. He says, You're off before. You know what do we do? We don't listen. We only get the part we want, we like to hear. If I gave a prophetic word over you now, you'd only record the part you liked. You'd ignore the part of suffering. You'd ignore the other part of, you know, it's going to take this, it's going to take that. You'd only hear, you want to go to the cinema and see the good clips. Yeah? You don't want to see the bad parts. That's why they don't show you all the bad parts of the clips in the cinema, because they're after your money. They want you to go and invest in that movie. You know, so, and it's the same with us. God wants to show you the highlights of your life. And it comes through a revelation. It comes through a revealing. So when we say uh, pursue a New Year's revelation, some would think, well, what does that mean? What is a revelation? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you. There are many types of revelations. So please listen carefully as to the type of revelation you need. A revelation. What is a revelation? A revelation. A revelation is many things in the Bible, and it comes to us in certain ways, and it has certain dimensions and certain dynamics about a revelation. I don't know you, but I've never seen God stand in front of me, but I felt him standing in front of me, yeah? So if I know how he turns up and I sense his presence, I know how to receive. People say, show me your God. Well, you know there's many ways we can show you God. But they say, show him physically right now. Well, I can't do that because I don't do magic. And he's not my genie in a lamp. Just because I rub it, it he doesn't appear just because I rub it. God it, it, God shows himself in what? Mysterious ways. But he gets our attention. Does he not? So when a revelation comes, it's an uncovering. That takes place. It is a veil that is lifted. Okay? It's an uncovering and it's a veil that is lifted. So let's take the first one. The greatest revelation you'll ever have is salvation. You're in darkness. You're a sinner. You don't know you're a sinner. You don't acknowledge you're a sinner. But then God's presence comes. Holy Spirit begins to speak to you from the inside. You don't even know this Holy Spirit. You've never met him before. But there's this strange power working on your life from the inside that takes this veil off and it helps you to see that what you're hearing is actually truth. You could never have entered that truth had that veil of darkness never been removed off your life. Then you're left with a free choice. Do you accept it or not? But you could never have made that choice had you never had the veil lifted. Now there are many religions around the world, many people that you go to work with who have still got the veil over their eyes and when you speak to them, they just, it's like hitting a wall. The Holy Spirit has to give them a revelation and he has to uncover and unveil, take the veil off their eyes so they can see what you see. So they can enter into what you've entered into, so they can know what you know. Without that veil being lifted, the Bible says this about the Jews, think of this, Today, when they're at that wailing wall, a veil covers their eyes. Even today, all those Jews praying, give it a, Really interceding, really praying, but they don't know what you know. Hebrews tells us there's a veil over their eyes. Wow. But there'll be a time when God will lift the veil off the Jewish nation. And they will begin to enter in and see what we know. But up this point, that doesn't mean to say God isn't working on Jewish people. He is. But as a nation, our nation has now got a veil over its eyes. And once upon a time, we had a veil lifted off our eyes and we were a godly nation. And then secularism came in, humanism came in. The veil comes over. It neutralizes everything. Nobody's, there's no right or wrong anymore. Right and wrong is what you decide. Well, if that's the case, then why do we have laws? There has to be some standard. And God's righteousness is the standard. Amen? Now, you and I see that. So why can't they see it? We say it's obvious. It makes sense. Wouldn't the world be a lot better? It only makes sense because you see it. True. But if you're promiscuous and you enjoy your promiscuity, it doesn't make sense. Why? Because you don't want to change. So God has to lift the veil off our eyes so that we can enter into something. So salvation is the first veil. The second revelation can be, again, it's it's always going to be an uncovering, it's always going to be a veil. It's an uncovering. That leads to a greater understanding, a greater insight, and greater wisdom. A revelation is an unveiling that leads you to greater understanding, greater insight, and greater wisdom. Every time we gather in the presence of God, or every time you open your Bible, say, Lord, give me a new revelation. Give me revelation about what I'm reading. Give me an understanding, give me an insight, give me wisdom into the passage so I can see what you're seeing, I can understand what you're saying and I can live out what you're you're showing me. Without a wisdom, without understanding, without insight, I struggle living out this word. So Paul writes to the church that your knowledge, your revelation, that your understanding will grow. Why? Because Paul knows without that revelation, continual revelation, you'll struggle. Paul's, Paul understands this. So Paul does everything he can to help the church understand what he understands. Now, he wrote that to believers. He didn't write it only to a church. He wrote it to believers. Are we still those believers? Of course we are. Because God intended that book to speak when Paul died. God expects his book to keep speaking. Why? Because he's the word. It's not, it wasn't only written for a time and a season. It was written because it's the word. Amen? It's a person speaking to us. So every time we read, we get, and the veil lifts up, we see he's speaking to us. How can I read a book, but he speaks to me and exposes me at the same time? That's because he's living. If it was just a, if it was just a uh, black words on a white background, it's just a book. But this book is different from every other book. It's not magic, it's supernatural. It's living, it's alive. Amen? You can read a thousand, million, trillion books and you'll be inspired, you'll be encouraged, you'll be enlightened in certain things, you'll be taught, you'll understand some things, but you'll never know the author. Because when you read our book, it's the gateway to the author. It's the author speaking. It's, it's so important. That's why if you read the Bible, theologians just read the Bible to get history and knowledge, but they never know the God of the Bible. It's so important we know God. A revelation that gives us understanding, insight, and wisdom gives us insight to the mind of God. It gives us wisdom and understanding and insight to the mind of God, to the will of God, to the purpose of God. What do we need wisdom, insight, and understanding for? For the mind of God, for the will of God, for the purpose of God. How do I serve the purposes of God if I don't understand the mind and the will of God? I must understand the will of God for my life. I must understand how God thinks. Because if I don't understand how he thinks, I'll always judge his acts. Moses knew his ways. Why did Moses know his ways? Because God revealed himself to Moses in a way that he never revealed himself to Israel. So there was a people there who didn't know what Moses knew. So they judge God for his acts, just like your friends do at work. If God was so God, why did he allow what happened last week? Well, you've heard me talk about that. Vindicated wisdom. One day God will vindicate himself and he'll show us why God has a purpose. It's amazing when it comes to tragedy, how man wants God to intervene and interfere and take away his free will. But when there's no tragedy, man wants to be free to do what he wants. And he says, God, you're not welcome. You can't have it both ways. That's my wisdom. That's my understanding. So the word apokalupio, lupio, it's a great word, isn't it? Apokalupio. It signifies, this is the Greek word to signify covering and unveiling. Every revelation has to have an uncovering and an unveiling. So hopefully... As we, this year, you will have an uncovering and an unveiling. You see, when you stand, again, let's go back to the wedding, the, the, the bride lifts a veil. And you go, whoa, is that what I'm marrying? Then you realize, wow, you're stunned by her beauty. Well, you should be. You should be stunned by her beauty and you say, I do, I'm all in. True? But when she's got that veil over her eyes, you can't see her. You know it's your wife to be, but when she lifts the veil, you go, whoa, darling, now our eyes meet. Now there's no veil. Jesus says, or the Bible says that Jesus torn the veil. The veil was torn in the heavens that was separating man from God. So when Jesus died on the cross, the first thing he did was shift the veil so we now have access into God. In the Old Testament, there was veils, there was curtains, there was tents. It was like a matrix. You just couldn't get in to see God. God protected himself from his presence. But now in the New Testament, he wants to reveal all he is and all that he has. And now, so through Christ, he's he's torn the veil. And now, so we have full access. That means that God is welcoming you this year to pursue him. How cool is that? There's no veil separating. And you see, the moment you become sick, you end up in sin, and the moment you indulge in sin, what's the first thing that comes over? A veil. A veil makes you, intimidates you, it makes you feel guilty, it makes you feel bad, it condemns you. Anybody felt condemned? I can't go to God. No, God said, No, I want you to come. But you the veil comes over you and you condemn yourself. But Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. So condemnation comes from the enemy. But it's the veil that stops us pursuing God. And sometimes when I do things and I shouldn't have done them and I know, and I have that time, I think, oh, I can go 24 hours, 48 hours, and then I'll talk to him. It's like he'll forget in 48 hours. Come on, you've done the same thing. I'll feel better in 48 hours. And I go, well, God, you know, well, you know, God, I know you love me. He said, why did it take you 48 hours? If you knew me, you knew I would have forgiven you. But I had my veil condemning me. So the moment I speak to myself, I keep myself in the revelation of what I know. He is merciful, He is loving. His love goes on and on and on. And I don't want to abuse that love, but I have done. And now I need forgiving, now I need mercy. So, Father, I humbly come before you. Lord, I've been a dipstick, I've been a bit of a numpty. God says, yes, I know, son. I saw you from afar. He said, and I waited for you to come. And it's taking you two days. Are you proud of your immaturity? Two days? You could have come to me instantly. I say, yes, Lord, I'm not proud. He said, we've got to change it, haven't we, Tony? Yes, Lord, we have. So is it going to be, is it going to be a day and a half next time or is it going to be instantaneously? When you get a revelation of his love, you realize that, that I say this very carefully. You mess up, and sometimes you mess up really bad. But you've got to have a revelation of his love. Because if you don't get a revelation of his love, you'll always compare God to your mess, or your mess to God. and think, my mess is so bad. God says, but you don't know my love. You don't know my love. Revelation. So we've seen it in Salvation. We've seen it. It comes to give us understanding, insight, and wisdom into the life, mind, and purposes of God. And then there's a revelation, and this you'll know this word. It comes so that a fresh instruction and guidance can come to our life. Anybody had a fresh instruction so guidance can come? So the prophetic word comes to your life. God reveals something to you, so he's guiding you in a direction Or a new instruction comes to your life. He says, don't do this, do that. You didn't see it before. You didn't know it. You didn't receive it before. And now the veil's taken off and God reveals a new word. So how many times did you read in the Old Testament, the prophets were there and the word of the Lord came to him. He said, Sudden man rise up and go. It was a revelation that came to him from above and it came with an instruction with guidance. To go this way, don't go that way. Last week we read about the Magi, the the wise men. What did, what did the Holy Spirit say to him once he deposited the gifts? Don't go this way, go the other way. Because Herod's looking for you. So they had a revelation that brought instruction and guidance. Do you believe that your life can receive instructions and guidance this year from heaven? Of course it can. I'm, I'm counting on it. I'm banking on it. In fact, if it doesn't come, I'm in trouble. Yes? Because if we don't get any guidance and instruction... We stay at the same place. Now, some of you, for you, that might think that's great. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to be a pain to your life because I don't want to stay. I don't want you to stay where you are. We want to take finish this journey. We want to finish strong. We're called the finishing generation. Some of us are called the finished generation. Others are a finishing generation. You choose which one you want to be. I'm not finished. I'm 53, going on 54, look like a stallion. I'm nowhere near finished. Some are younger than me and you're already finished. Is one better than the other? No. God can only work with a heart. So instructions and guidance can be given to others. Sorry, given to you. Now, when God gives you an instruction, it invariably always refers to other people so when God gives you an instruction and guidance it's so that others can be guided and come into the blessing that God the instruction is giving to you see when God spoke to me and said to me in the cafe I wasn't eating the cheese sandwich at the time I was praying and God said to me Tony you're praying the wrong prayer how many of you know that's insight I'm praying the wrong prayer what do you mean I'm praying the wrong prayer but when heaven says you're praying the wrong prayer, I need to listen. So I'm praying the wrong prayer. Okay, Lord, show me how to pray. Good. The prayer you're praying is the wrong prayer. Why? Because what you're asking for is the wrong thing. Okay, now he's giving me wisdom. Yes, he's giving me insight. And now he's giving me wisdom. Now he gives me an instruction. Why don't you ask me what kind of man the city needs? Now he's given me an instruction. Now he's given me insight understand wisdom and understanding and now has given me an instruction so now i'm now pursuing him on that level What do you think that means it's going to involve many many people because if i can become the man that the city needs god can use me and when he's saying me means us so we can reach the city that means our instruction us obeying those instructions is dependent upon how god can use us and who we can reach we've got to get out of here a revelation, number four. So we've seen it is the salvation, it's the unveiling for salvation. It is the unveiling for the, uh, leading to the understanding, insight and wisdom to the life, mind and purpose of God. It's a revelation, removing the veil so, to a new instruction and guidance. Let me just go to, if, now if you've got your Bibles open, go to Ephesians 3. Look what Paul wrote. For this reason, just hold it there a minute. For this reason, so there's a purpose behind why he's writing would you agree there is a purpose for this reason he says i Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you gentiles so he's he's highlighted the crowd surely you have heard about the administration of god's grace that was given to me for you that this is the mystery made known to me by revelation as i have already written briefly in reading this you may be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has not been made known to men in other generations, as it's now been revealed by the Holy Ghost, sorry, by the Holy Spirit, to God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery made known to me by revelation. He says, I have already written so that you may understand my insight into my mystery. So look what's involved in that Revelation. It's given to Paul for the sake of the Gentiles. So God gives a man, a couple, for you. He gives a pastor to you. That pastor, he's meant to train, teach, and equip you in righteousness so that you could know the mind, will, and purpose of God. Hello? This is a good point to say, oh, yeah, yeah. This is a revelation for some of you. For For some of you... I'm the man that turns the light on. I'm the man that turns the heating on. I'm the man that just stands up and preaches. But no, for others, they've had the revelation that they need a pastor. They need someone to bring them into greater wisdom. It doesn't mean to say that you're all thick. It's not implying that. Many of you are more smarter than me. You've got more letters after your name than I'll ever have. But that's okay. Because all I'm doing is what I'm called to do. So that if I empower you to do what you can do, then you're doing what you're called to do. So we're all all, all winners, aren't we? You know, I got no degrees. I don't need degrees for what I'm doing. But Bible college tells me I need a degree to do what I'm doing. But calling begs to differ. I'd rather listen to heavenly calling and ditch the degree. Amen? But if that's what you're called to do, go. But I'm glad, God knew I wasn't wasn't the brightest spark. He knew what he was doing when he called me, believe me. And I just marvel at the fact how he's using me. You know, I always say, I'm not smart, but I'm certainly not stupid. Somewhere in the middle, I kind of make it. But Paul says, the mystery made known to me. In other words, the veil was moved off Paul. So Paul now could go and remove the veil off others. And all Paul's ministry was about was revealing Christ in greater dimensions. Amen. So there's a mystery. There's insight so that we can know the mind, the will of God. Now, the last revelation, you'll know this word. It's called the apocalypse. It's when the judgment's in. So God will bring a revelation, John the Revelator. God will give a prophet a word and speak to a people, speak to a nation of what is about to take place, the disasters that's coming. The issue is, is there's a coming judgment and the world does not know it because it has a veil over it. God has got to reveal what is coming. And the Bible says this, surely God does nothing before he first reveals his word to the prophets. So God takes the veil off the prophets so the prophets can announce the kingdom. That's why the church must have prophets. I'm not talking about financial prophets. I'm talking about prophets. Those who can hear heaven, those who are commanded and guided by heaven, who can hear the word of the Lord and they can speak it and decree it over cities, nations, towns, peoples, tribes, and tongues. Amen? Amen. And they can say what's coming. Jonathan David has spoken many times to a different nation. He spoke to Japan about the coming tsunami. When it came, they started to listen to him. He talked about the, uh, the uh, Papua New Guinea, how three disasters would come to Papua New Guinea. He told them the first time, the first one happened, they didn't listen. Second time, some men started to think, you know what, there might, might be something in this man. He might be saying something. So God engineered it that he got... His words were taken to the king. And then the doors began to open. They invited Jonathan David into the king's palace. He spoke about the third coming disaster, but they were able to brace themselves and prepare themselves for what was coming. God was merciful to them. They would never have known that had the veil not been taken off the prophet and God shown them. You need a prophet. God needs a prophet. That's why the Bible is built on apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But the foundation of the church is built on Jesus Christ through the apostles and prophets. Amen? The foundation of the church is not the apostles or the prophets. The foundation is Christ. So the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, my question is this. How do we keep the law if there's no revelation? Amen? If we, don't keep, if we don't know the law, we don't got a revelation about God's word, how can we keep it? So it takes us back. We need that revelation to unveil so we get insight, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding so we can pursue the mind, will, and purpose of God. Amen? So when revelation comes to you, it will have a profound, profound effect. It's coming to you this year. Revelation is coming to you this year. It's going to come to you personally as you open up your Bible. It's going to come personally to you as, you as you begin to interact with God. You put God's word in your mouth and start speaking it, revelation will come to you. The veil will come off. You'll begin to see things that you've never seen before. But guess what? If you just go with your shopping list, don't expect a revelation. Go with God's word in your mouth. Say what He's saying, and you'll find that He'll show you what He's doing. That's smart there, if you get that. So go to the book of Daniel, chapter ten. Daniel is a has a profound uh, a profound impact when he has this revelation. Daniel is a key uh, is a key character in the end times. Yeah. Daniel's word is so key. When we look at the, right now within society, there is domains. Business would be a domain. Family would be a domain. Politics is a domain. Religion's a domain. Entertainment, arts, media, they're all domains. Once you get into those worlds, the big worlds, amen? Technology, they're all domains. Now, we are part of a kingdom. Hear this? We are part of a kingdom. A kingdom is another domain. And this domain is to sit on all. When you read the book of Daniel, Daniel talks about how the kingdom of God will sit on all the other domains. It will rule with victory. It will rule with power. It's the kingdom. So it doesn't matter how big business gets or how big technology gets. There is a kingdom that is going to squash all the other domains. It's called Zion. A Zion explosion. It's not Israel in Jerusalem, what used to be called Zion. It's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual dimension. The kingdom is a spiritual force. And Daniel talks about this, but let's just go into Jan- Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. Now, he's having insight as to what is coming. What kind of war is it? Come on, your Bible tells you. What kind of war is it? It's a great war. It's a war of importance. It's a war of of significance. So he's having a revelation about what's coming. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So there's understanding. When the veil comes off, it's not only what you see, it's what you can understand. Very often people come to me and say, Pastor, I've seen a rainbow. God show me a rainbow. You've heard me say this before. In the worship this morning, I just saw a rainbow. I saw two doves flying. And now I'm supposed to do catchphrase. Somehow I've I've got to keep finding another part to this picture like it's my responsibility. So they've seen something, maybe some cheese in the middle of the night, I don't know. They've woke up with something, go and pursue the understanding, and then come and deliver it. God showed me this, and what God's saying is this. Ha, now we can all understand what you're saying. Now we can wait up to see if we feel it's of God. But don't deliver half the picture. But Daniel doesn't deliver half the picture, Daniel sees the full picture. Not only does he get the picture, he gets the sounds. There's nothing worse than watching TV with no sound. So when you're getting a vision, get some sound with it. Let God speak. It's amazing how many people, listen, go write a book about them going into heaven. The bookshelves are littered with people who were going to heaven. I heard this woman the other week and I wanted to throw the telly out the window. She was talking about heaven and how all her pets were in heaven. Now, I know people want to hear that because they're very attached to their animals. Now, there are animals in heaven, just not yours. Now, if that came as a revelation this morning, there are horses in heaven. Really? Where do you think the horseman and the apocalypse come from? There are all kinds of beans in heaven, but there ain't no pussycat. Sheba the dog isn't there, waiting for you like lasses come home. If I don't need a wife in heaven, why do I need a dog? Seriously, the Bible says we're not married when we go in heaven. So why do I need a dog? Think about it. Oh, I never thought it's a revelation. Once you were blind, now you can see. All I did was set the veil off it. Oh, I thought Lassie was there. Okay. So Daniel saw a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, Daniel mourned for three weeks. So now it's impacted Daniel. I ate no choice food, no kebabs, no pizzas. I didn't drink any wine, no Australian wine. Touched my lips. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Breath probably stunk. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the Great River, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen. Amen. With a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like the chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like flaming torches. Sound of multitude, sorry. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at the great vision. I had no strength left, and my face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. See the significance of this, veil, of this revelation? I'm not suggesting you're going to get one like this. Then I heard him speaking. Ah, at last, someone's speaking. And, he, and, and I listened to him. I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me. And set me trembling on my hands and knees. So this revelation has arrested him. It's totally consumed him. He's got sound. He's got vision. He's got understanding. He's got insight. He's got wisdom. He understands the mind of God, what's coming, about the purposes of God. It's all going on in Daniel. And Daniel feels so overwhelmed by what he sees, his only posture is to fast. Sometimes God will show you what is coming, but he doesn't show you all the things that's coming. Let's give you an example. You're in the middle of the night and you have a dream about a plane that's going to crash. And the pastor's on it. So you better flipping listen. Why did God show you the plane is going to crash? Any answers? To warn me. If I'm already on it, it's too late. To warn me, okay, that's one aspect. So it can be avoided. Exactly. How do I avoid it? Do I ring up Manchester Airport and say, there's a plane that's going to land? You would sound like a nutter. Excuse me, I had a dream last night. There's a plane going to crash. It's like, yeah, lady, boom. So when God shows you that thing, the only Action you can take is to intercede and pray and fast until the burden is lifted or sometimes you don't know fully what's involved. God gives you a burden. I sense this coming in my heart. And some people say, well, God used to show me these things. Why did he show me? As as if God was punishing them. It's like, no, you numpty. God's shown you to intercede. Prayer changes things. There was a great war coming. Daniel began to pray in the spirit. The warfare that Daniel talks about, as you continue reading, was a warfare in the spirit, which was affecting the earth. So when God begins to show you things, your first response is, Lord, I receive it. I'm going to pray about it until the burden lifts. Amen? The burden will lift. And then suddenly, the news, you may the news, you may never hear anything on the news. The issue is, you were obedient, even if you were wrong, even if you were wrong, and you stood up all night and you prayed. What's the worst thing that happened? You just didn't go to bed. Yesterday, Phil and I was listening, and Carol was listening to a lady who had cancer. In fact, you met. The wife he had met the husband last year, Pastor Michael, and he was telling us about his wife. And yesterday we had the Isaac pastors meeting in, in Birmingham, and all the Isaac pastors were together. And she began to tell us about how, how the journey. And she tells us that this lady who was in a church, in her church, a, a lady who's not, just become a Christian, she's a, a young Christian. She come into the church, and in the middle of the night, God said, "Pray for Pastor Marlene." But she didn't know anything about Pastor Marlene. She didn't know it, whether she was she, she was sick or anything. She just knew this is a young Christian who's got not as much knowledge as you've got maybe. But she began to pray and just pray all through the night and pray all through the night. And God began to show her a picture of the uh, was it the scar the liver the liver and how the cancerous cell was shaping in a liver. What you don't know is. When Pastor Michael came here and spoke, some of you shared a picture with him, what you saw, and it was the same picture that that woman had prayed for in the night, exactly the same. So when he gets home, she says, You're not going to believe it. This woman sat me down today, and she begins to tell me the story how she prayed all the way through the night for me, and she draws this picture. But Pastor Michael went, That's the same picture that I've just been describing when I went to the dream center. Wow. It's not spooky. It's every day. Then she had cancer on the liver. They didn't know what they were seeing. They just obedient and prayed. So when she goes to have the scan, the, the scan revealed that she had cancer on the liver. That's exactly what the two, you told them. Well, you didn't tell them there was cancer on the liver. You told them what you saw. But the woman in there said, this is what I saw. But the scan revealed where it was in the body. The same, exactly the same shape as the drawing. That's God. So what did this woman do? She could have turned around and said, I'll wait until I get to church in the morning. And I'll ask. No. Instantly, she got up and started to pray. She didn't need a Bible lesson on intercession. She just got up and began to pray. And she, remember what we said, obedience first, explanation after. I don't know what it is, but I just feel something's going to happen. Anyone had that? Yeah. Some of you call it intuition. Some people call it cheese. Others call it God. So what is my response going to be? I'm going to pray. And then when I get on to that, I'm going to ring up that person who was on my mind. I'm just going to check if everything's okay. But I'm going to pray first. That's how revelation, it was a veil that lifted and God wants you to step in. Don't you feel great when God can use you like that? And Daniel was helpless. He was, he was turned deathly pale and was helpless. Such was the brevity of what he'd seen, of what was coming. But you know what? His only response was, I prayed and I fasted. I prayed and I fasted. God began to show him things. So Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says this, Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Now, sometimes when we read in the Bible, revelation and vision are interchangeable. Revelation and and vision are interchangeable. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. The Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks at the end and it will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. When God shows us a picture, when God gives us his revelation of his word, and he gives us insight and understanding of his word, he says, write it down. Record it. God spoke to me on this day. God spoke to me about this yesterday. I read something to the pastors. And as I began to read it, I got a revelation as I was reading it. And I interpreted what I was reading. Later on, another pastor says, I see exactly the same thing. This is how I see it. And he began to show. So in the mouth of two and three witnesses, there's a confirmation. But if you don't write it down and record it, You know what you're doing? You're taking no responsibility. It's got no value. God's got no value. His word's got no value in in your life if you can't bother to write it down. So, at the side of my bed is a pen and a book. So, if I get any crazy notions or any words in the middle of the night, at least I can write them down. And it doesn't matter if they make sense because you know when you're dreaming sometimes, you don't know if you're dreaming, you don't know if, if it's you, if it's God, you don't know if you're coming out of a dream, going in a dream, you don't know if you're dead, you don't know if you're awake. There's something about that dream sleep that can confuse you. Or am I the only one? So, the thing to do is write it down even though it's crazy. Write it down. And if it doesn't leave you, keep beginning to pray about it and let God speak to you more and more and more. In other words, you're showing God you're at least you're doing something with it. One day I was in uh, Malaysia and I heard this word, Siriyaru. I'm thinking, Sidi Aru, Sidi Aru. And he came to me strong in the middle of worship, Sidi Aru. So I began to pray. I began to pray about it. And I kept saying, Lord, and I told the, told the guys straight away, I just felt the Lord saying, and Lord said, it's going to break what was going on in the church at the time. It's a word that God was giving us to break the powers. And As we came in, we began to use it in prayer. And we declared because we knew we got understanding, not only of the word, but how to use the word. We don't fully understand the word Sidi Aru. But we began to use it, and all I the instruction God, gave, it's gonna break powers. So I begin to use it. City Aru, City Aru, City Aru. I go to the Philippines. I'm doing a breakthrough worship night. I'm finishing, I'm thinking it's all over, and God says to me, Go and break barrenness. I think I've just finished. Go and break barrenness. Okay. So I begin to pray. And I said, is there, I said, there's barrenness in the room. This young couple come out, Mark and Ingrid come out. And they even had the pregnancy test with them in the pocket. And she said, we can't get pregnant. We can't get pregnant. We can't get pregnant. So we broke it and we announced Siri Aru. What did they call the baby? Siri Aru. One year later, that girl had a baby. We broke the power of barrenness over her life. And she has a child. And first of all, they said to me, what do you want to call it? I said, it's not what I want to call it. But in the Philippines, that's a tradition. They ask you, what do you want to call it? So they said, we thought Sidi Aru. I said, that's a great name. Call it Sidi Aru. See, when you travel in certain nations and you bring people out of different cultures and different religions, they'll ask you to give them a name. They'll ask you, the preacher, to give them a name. It's, it's, it, that's how much honor they show you. But you better understand what God's shown you so you can set people free. Prayer is a fantastic way of really affecting people's lives. Yeah. Revelation comes to us in the middle of the night. God sows things to us when we're asleep. God doesn't need you awake because he knows you're an obstacle when you're awake. So he sows things into our hearts when we're asleep in the middle of the night. You wake up in the morning with certain thoughts and feelings and feelings. What do you do with those thoughts and feelings? Do you just shake them off and go, go about your business? Or do you write them down and record them? Do you begin, and listen, writing them down is no great thing. Something with it then. Begin to pray about it. Lord, show me. Was it just me this morning, Lord? Was I on one this morning? Did I hear you right, Lord? What are you saying about that? It seemed a bit crazy. And I've done that. And you know, a lot of those things, I've never, ever, I've had any more information about. So I know that was me. But then there's times when something won't leave me. Yes. It's like, it's, it's, like it's, it's got its claw into me. It's on my mind. So what I do about that, then I just begin to intercede and pray. Lord, show me. As I read the word, Lord, show me. If this is you, show me. Sometimes God's just waiting to see how much I will pursue him. Amen? I was in France one year, walking up a road, And the Lord just began to show me like a vision in in the sky, began to show me something that was going on in the church. He says, soon as you go home, you address it. I'm on holiday, for goodness sake, God. You can't speak to me on on my holiday. It's not right. God says, I'm the God of the nations. I can speak to you anywhere. So the first thing I do is go home and address it. Why? Because God showed me supernaturally what was going on, what was taking place. You know when the when the cat's away, the, what do the mice do? Well, we had to go back and, and capture some mice, but the mice didn't know that we knew. But that's God. That's God because we didn't have a camera in the church. We didn't bug the room. So last scripture, Luke twenty, Luke chapter two. No, sorry, I'm gonna. Change, sorry, forgive me. Go to, I just want to finish the last scripture. Matthew, sorry, Matthew. Last scripture. Verse 16, sorry, chapter 16, verse 13. You know the scripture, but let's not become so familiar with it that we don't see and get new revelations. It's the time when Jesus is speaking to Peter. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the son of man is? And you know, he's asking a question because he knows the answer. Jesus is not asking the question because he doesn't know. He's asking the question. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked to Peter. Look straight at Peter, and he doesn't want to go now into popular opinion. He wants to see, he wants to know what Peter knows. This year, listen, this year, the Holy Spirit is going to ask you a question. He's going to ask you, what do you know? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to put you on under the spotlight and he's going to ask you a question and he's going to reveal your heart, what your heart, your immaturity level He's going to find out. He knows, but he's asking you because he wants to show you. He's not asking you a question because he doesn't know. He does know. He's God. But he asked that question to reveal it to you so that you see what he sees. You know what he knows and you feel what he feels. Amen? God will come to you this year. I guarantee it. God will come to you and he'll ask you questions that you're not happy with. Questions that you don't want to answer. He does that. He's God. Who do you say I am? So when there's gossip, say, for instance, and you gossip and gossip and gossip and gossip and you start praying, God will say, but what do you, what does my word say about that? What have you been saying about that? God will always show you your folly in the light of his mercy. God will always show you your own folly in the light of his mercy. He doesn't do it to kill you. He does it so you'll change and you'll repent and you'll see the stupidity of your own behavior or the, the, the attitude, the bad attitude, or the laziness of your of your attitude, and he'll show you and he'll say, come on, let's go. Let's change it. But God will come to you this year and he'll speak to you and he'll put you in a corner and you're going to have a one-on-one. Don't call me when he does that. Why? Because he doesn't need two of us, he needs you. When God spe- speaks to me, he doesn't wait until Carol's in the room. God speaks to me. Why? because it's me and God, it's you and God, God's not only going to speak to you in church, God's going to speak to you when you don't expect it, you're going to be in work sometime, you're going to be doing something, you're going to hear him speak, and he's going to arrest you, and you're going to know it's God, and you're not going to be able to run from it, it's good, it's brilliant, I'm in a factory, God begins to speak so loud, that I'm in a factory that's loud, I have to wear earmuffs. But God's voice spoke over the sound, and I heard it so clear. And I ran, like Jonah, I ran to the back of the factory and I hid under the table because God had got hold of me and He was dealing with me. God doesn't wait until you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> God doesn't wait until we're in church and we're all in, oh, come by our, my Lord, land. God will speak to you anytime. On the street in the car, just as you're in the shower, God knows the right time to speak. So, Peter, who do you say I am? Peter said, Well, you know, they say that they say he said, I didn't ask you what they say, I asked you what you say. Because God's gonna find out what you know. Simon Peter said, You're the Christ. Whoa, I'm gonna admit, to Peter. How do you know I'm the Christ? The son of the living God, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. You can imagine Peter going, whoa, stop, stop. It's too much. TMI. And Peter's saying, what he's saying to Peter is, Peter, The first download you received about who I am was from my father. My father revealed something that no earthly revelation could have ever revealed. Now, here's the issue. And this is what I feel God's challenging us with this this morning. Some of you are content on earthly revelation. You're content on just receiving earthly information earthly revelation and God wants to speak to us of a heavenly revelation but he can't get your attention because you're so earthly when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus Nicodemus had information Nicodemus had the law Nicodemus had worship Nicodemus had all the things that you have and Jesus says Nicodemus a man has to be born again nicodemus could not understand how a man has to go he's thinking earthly what how can a grown man be born again he can't go back through his mother's womb again so you say well that's logic no it was earthly it was earthly logic he said, well we'd all would have all thought about it. exactly we would have that's the point so when jesus is talking to you he's not asking you for earthly information He says, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, son, 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 if what I'm saying to you is earthly and you can't understand, how can we have a heavenly conversation? How can I reveal the son? A man must be born again. He must repent. He must be cleansed by water. He must be filled with the Holy Ghost. How can I have this conversation? You're Israel's teacher. And every time I talk, all I can do is talk about the earthly. Can I bring you over to a new revelation and a new understanding? So much of the church today, you can't move them because you've got to keep them earthly. Hello? Hello? This is why we've got to entertain the people. It's why we've got to put shows on for the people. It's why we've got to make it so nice. Everything's earthly. Keep us earthly connected. And God says, I can't speak to that group of people because they never want to know the heavenly dimension. Nicodemus shows us that. Peter moved from the earthly to the heavenly. Church, don't stay on the earth. Can't be reading books all the time that just talk about the earth. We've got to let God show us something that we've never seen before. We've got to show God, show us a dimension of his life that we've never seen before. We need a revelation of the Christ. We need a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. You got saved, but you need a revelation. We know a lot about church, but we know nothing about Christ. Christ. It's the revelation of Christ, of the God and his Father. It's the revelation that the the Father is speaking to the church about the revelation of his Son. This is apostolic truth that the church needs a fresh revelation of the Christ. They need a fresh revelation of the Father, they need a fresh revelation of his Son. Well, I'm saved, I've been saved 20 years, but you don't know Jesus anymore. You still see him in the same light. It's amazing how many men have gone into heaven, seen Christ and they say, he just has to turn one one section and it's, it's changed. There's a whole dimension to Christ we've never seen. There's so much, he's unlimitless. We don't know this Christ like we think we know. We don't know this Christ. He wants us to have a fresh revelation. He wants to pour himself into us again. Church, don't settle for what you've got. This is why you need discipleship. Every layer uncovers the veil so we can step in. Oh, I tell you, who wants to change? Who wants change? Everybody's saying, well, the pastor should do this. The elders should do that. They want change. God says, let's start with you. If you don't get a fresh revelation of Christ, what revelation are you after then? What revelation do you need? Well, I want to know how I can I can improve myself at work. Well, that's not wrong. That's not wrong. So you'll pursue. You'll make calls. You'll go to libraries. You'll go to the internet. You'll pursue what you want and what you think you need. True? But you won't spend the time pursuing Christ. Lord, show me again. Show me again. You know, I'm watching the movie The Hobbit. Anybody seen The Hobbit? No? Well, oh, I'm Carnal. I'm going to see The Hobbit. Carol and I went to see The Hobbit. She made me go. <laughs> and there's a scene in the movie when he gets one of the elves. This is not Santa Claus. One of the elves in the movie, one of the characters, won't go any further than that, begins to feel love. They've never seen love before. They've never felt love because these elves, they're so kind of, they don't, they're not open to human emotions. And they fall for one of the hobbits. When I say fall, they fall in love with one of the hobbits. And the hobbit, something happens to the hobbit, and she feels the love. And right there in the cinema, I starts crying. Softy. It doesn't take me a lot to cry these days. And I saw in the movie, Christ. Oh, makes me emotional now. I saw that's something that I have not yet felt. I didn't feel his pain. I'm in relationship with Christ, but I can't feel his pain on that cross. And I saw it in that scene the clear how God saw and felt about his son, the pain. He felt the full pain. And I thought, I don't feel that pain. I want that revelation of that pain. And when I get that revelation of the pain, I get a fresh revelation of the cross. And I realize that he did it for me. And the pain shows me, it helps me identify with what he went through. I'm not going to feel the fullness of the pain, but I saw it in that cinema because God always speaks to me in great movies. You know why? Because I'm looking for him. You think, well, I have, have a break, Sony. Just go and watch The bit. I was. But God can speak to me at any time. And I saw this revelation, I thought, God, I need that revelation of your pain. So I can identify with it in my sufferings. When I suffer, I can turn around and say, he's nothing like you suffered. Paul says, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Go and see the obit and look at the screen. Go and look at that, that part and come back and think, he's right. I need a revelation of his pain. I'd never felt it. And I felt like the elf. I felt numb. That I'd been in relationship with his Christ and I didn't know him. And all of a sudden, I began to see what he went through. And as I saw it, it's like, no, 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 I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't, I'm not sure to want it now. God says, you ask for it, you're going to get it. Don't be like the elf. In your relationship, let God reveal His love. We sang it this morning. It goes on and on and on. Unlike me, I'm going to bring it to an end. Let's stand to our feet, if you will, please. We want a fresh revelation. I want a fresh revelation. I want you to have a fresh revelation. Heaven wants you to have a fresh revelation. It's a New Year's revelation. It's not one revelation. It's a new year. It's a year of constant, consistent revelation. I guess the only question... Now to ask, do you want a revelation? I want you to have a, relation, a revelation. Christ wants you to have a revelation. So we go back to the cartoon. Which side are you going to stand on? Are you going to be Lord, who wants change yet? Yeah, let things change come. I'm okay with change. I want to be a miss world. I want to see peace and goodwill to all mankind. Or I want to be myself, real. But I want to change, Lord, and I want to be part of bringing peace and goodwill to this world. But, Lord, I need a revelation of your mind, your will and your purpose, Lord. Wanting it and doing it are two different things. I'm not going to make a vow that I can't fulfill. I'm not going to be like those who made their resolutions, who had no willpower. I'm going to pursue you, O God. When I say I want a revelation, I'm going to do something about it. It's not your responsibility, Lord, alone. It's mine as well. I realize that, that I have to seek you afresh. Why should I expect it if I don't do anything? If I don't position myself, I'm going to get a book. I'm going to get a pen. I'm going to leave it at the side of my bed. And if my husband or my wife says, "What that for? It's just in case I get any thoughts in the middle of the night. Don't have to make it weird. Just say it's in case I get any creative thoughts in the middle of the night. You leave it at the side of the bed. That's something practical you can do. And then when I open my Bible the next day, I'm going to say, Lord, give me a revelation from this scripture. Show me insight. I don't care what people are saying about this scripture. I want you to show me. I'm going to pray. And when I get, a, that's another thing you can do. And I'm going to, and Lord, when you show me something in the middle of the night, no matter how crazy it is, I'm going to pray about it all week. And Lord, if it means nothing, at least I've got the discipline of prayer. Lord, I'm going to do something about what you're, what are you speaking to me about this morning, Lord? Count me in. I want a New Year's revelation. So if that's you, just raise your hands and I just begin to ask God. I'm not going to pray over you. God is the one who gives the revelation. It's not Tony the revelator. It's, it's God who's the revelator. Just like Peter, he's going to give you a revelation. And this is what happened to Peter. When Peter got a revelation, God gave him more. Because Peter got the revelation that Jesus was the Christ. But in God began to speak to Peter of Peter, Peter, upon you, I'm going to, uh, on the rock, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Peter, I'm going to give you keys. So God began to give him more understanding as to the revelation he received. Now, who wants more? You start with what you've got. You start with what you've known. And as you as you begin to respond accurately in the spirit, heaven will give you more. Heaven will give you more. Peter started with, you are Jesus, you are the living, the God, you're the Christ. Okay, Peter, now is the next download upon, I'm going to build a church, I'm going to give you keys. You're going to be built into this church, you're going to have wisdom, you're going to have power, you're going to have authority, Peter, you're going to bind spirits. Whoa, Peter's thinking, whoa, I only said you're the Christ, and now you're giving me another download. The pace of revelation is going to be frightening. Because the kingdom's coming this year. His will is going to be done on the earth, as it is in heaven, in your life, now, in our time, in my home, in my workplace, in my church, in my street. It's now. It's today. It's not for another day. It's now. I need a revelation today of Jesus Christ. So Lord, take the veil off my eyes right now. Right now, O oh God, I pray that you'll take the veil off everybody's eyes. There'll be an uncovering. There'll be a revealing, O oh God. Be merciful to us, O oh God. Give us a download of revelation. Reveal Christ. Reveal his nature. Reveal his love to us, O oh God. Just as you reveal it to me in the cinema, show them, O oh God. Show them, O oh God. Show every one of us in this room, O oh God, a fresh revelation. I pray, Holy Ghost. I pray this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, and intercede for these people, O oh God, that you show them yourself. Give them your son, O oh God. Show them your son. Almighty oh, God, show them the son. Show them the king. Show them his glory. Oh, Father, let the word explode this year. Let the word explode in your life this year. Revelation will come with intimacy. Revelation will come as you do something. But it will come. Make no bones about it. It will come. For those who pursue it, it will come. So come on, open your mouth. Stir your mouth again. Lord, come. Let your kingdom come. Activate your mouth.